I want to invite you to take your Bibles, Victory Family Church. Turn to Philippians chapter 3 as we continue our series, Joyride. We have began this summer looking into the uh, truths that Paul writes uh, in the book of Philippians. We call it the uh, book of joy because in it Paul exudes incredible joy in the midst of very difficult hardships. And so we chose during this time... Uh, that we all find ourselves in as a nation and in our culture in this season of time to look at how Paul uh, had this joy, how he maintained his joy, how his joy grew, even though he suffered uh, great persecution and many trials uh, ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we are going to go ahead and wrap up chapter 3, and I'm going to tell you this for time's sake. Uh, we're not going to go all the way through chapter 3. We're going we're to focus on a very familiar uh, passage and paragraph of Scripture this morning. And then uh, next Sunday, we're going to move into chapter 4. I'm, I'm excited about a new series that we're going to start in September. So we're going to kind of cut a little through here uh, near the end of Philippians. But this morning, we're talking about the joy of growing. The reality is that as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we are born again by our faith in Christ and the infilling of His Spirit, bringing life into us. But we're we're like uh, we're like babies. We're born again. We're just brand new. There's this no this whole new way of living and existing and thinking. It's a whole new life, free from the power of sin and the curse of sin and the guilt and the shame of sin. And so there's this whole new life. And the reality is that from the moment we're born again, we are never intended by Jesus to stay that way. We are intended to grow. And the purpose, we're told through Scripture, is to become more like Jesus who now lives inside of us. It's called spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. And Paul finds that there's great joy in spiritual maturity. Think about the seasons of life. When you were a child, uh, there was great excitement when you first learned how to walk, right? In fact, as soon as you could run, you ran the first few times, right? Till you hit a wall and then you had to start over and realize there's certain things you can't run through. You were excited when you lost your first tooth. There was great joy now that that had happened. There was, uh, there was great joy when you learned how to ride a bicycle. And then when you learned how to ride a bicycle without training wheels, there was even more joy in that moment and season of time. There was joy when you got to go on your first date. There was joy when you got your driver's license. There was joy when you graduated from high school. There was joy when you uh, got your own place and then when you, 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 you got married. And then there was joy when you had your first kids and your second kid and your fifth kid. And, and there was just and every new season and moment brought joy. And Paul wants us to recognize this morning that every moment and season of growth Maturing into the image of Christ are seasons of joy. So this morning we're going to, to break down the first, uh, just a, a few verses here out of Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. And here Paul is outlining the principles for spiritual growth. I've prayed that this weekend as we, as we open up the scriptures, you will, uh, you will be driven with a new desire to want to grow closer to Christ and more like Christ, that you will set into motion disciplines and, and, and actions and attitudes that will cause you to grow more in Christ. So beginning in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul now writes these words. If I can find verse 10. Here we go. He says, I want to know Christ 
Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Again, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, for time's sake this morning, I have chosen not to just take us and, and read a verse, expound it, read a verse, expound it. I wanted to read you the whole paragraph in its context, and then we're going to break it down into those principles and those truths. But Paul says, Paul says, he says, I want to know. I want to know Christ. I want to know him in his resurrection, and I want to know him in his sufferings. Paul, at this point in time, has been a follower, a faithful follower and servant of Jesus Christ for right at about 30 years. His Damascus Road experience was about 30 years earlier. Paul says, I want to know Christ. And he says, I'm not there yet. But think about the depth of Paul's relationship to Jesus. He's had many incredible experiences. He had the Damascus Road experience where he met Jesus face to face on the road, heard Jesus' voice audible speaking to him. He, uh, he was taught by the Holy Spirit. Many believe Jesus met him in the wilderness after he was saved and, and ministered and taught him the gospel. He talks about a man who was elevated up into the third heavens, and most scholars believe Paul's talking about himself, but he doesn't want to boast. But he was caught up into the third heaven. He's gone into some places and seen and experienced some things with Jesus that we could only dream and hope for. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's, man, he's, just, he's been used by Jesus so mightily. He's had incredible experiences with Christ Jesus. And yet he says this. He says, I don't know everything of Christ just yet. There's more to know. And I would say this morning that if the Apostle Paul still knew there was more to experience and know, how much more do we have more to know and more to grow? So Paul gives us three principles that help him in his journey to know Christ more and to uh, grow more mature in Christ and more like Christ. So the first one is this. Growth requires experiencing Christ more deeply. To experience Christ more deeply will allow you to have spiritual growth. He says in verse 10, he says, I want to know. I want to know Christ in his resurrection and in his sufferings. That word know in the Greek is the word gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. The word literally means this. It means to know by experience. Not to know about, but to know by experience. So, 34 years, Leisha and I have been married. I'm going to tell this story she didn't know, and I didn't know till just now I was going to tell it either, so I hope it goes good. Um, 
So we've known each other about 36 years. Actually, an interesting fact, we went to kindergarten and first grade together in a little bitty town out in West Texas. We're not sure we knew each other, but our families all knew each other. And uh, her cousin was my best friend, and her uh, brother-in-law worked for my dad's, uh, and my dad owned a grocery store there in town. Her father was the manager of the competing grocery store in town, and we still fell in love. We put all of the, the, that behind us, and we fell in love. But we did meet in college. So anyway, so when we met, first off, my best friend in college who came up from Houston with me to go to Southwestern Assemblies of God University, uh, he was dating Leisha first. And he didn't own a car, so he borrowed my car to go on dates. And he would always have to come back to the dorm and return the car keys to me. And he would tell me about the date. And I'm kind of like, okay, shut up, because I'm not dating anybody. I don't want to hear this. But they, uh, they dated for a while, and then that uh, kind of, they decided to, whatever, <laughs> part ways. Hey, 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 hey. Might be watching. Um, so then I thought, well, you know what? I, I, need a, I need a girlfriend. Seems like I already know a lot about Leisha. In fact, my good buddies kind of raised it where I can go up the ladder. I can start up a few steps on the ladder. He's already given me all the, the basic insights. I know about Leisha Solomon. I can say after 34 years of experiencing life and doing life with her, I know Leisha Greenway, Leisha Solomon Greenway. You see, it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's a whole other thing to know him by experience. Man, you know the gospel. You know the stories. That's where I was before I got saved. I'd grown up in church most of my life, and I knew John 3.16, and I could tell you the Bible stories. I remember the flannel graphs, the graham crackers, and the orange juice in Sunday school for, for snacks. I could tell you the stories. I could tell you all about Joan. I could tell you all about them. But I did not have, though I had been baptized a couple times as a kid, I did not have personal experience with Christ. I had never afforded him the opportunity to have an experience with him. So Paul says, look, the, the main ingredient or the first ingredient to your spiritual growth is you've got to experience Christ. It's time to move beyond knowing about him to knowing him. You see, you and I are called to pursue intimacy with Jesus at whole new levels. Psalm 42 says this, deep calls out to deep. That sounds kind of tricky, doesn't it? What in the world does that mean? In essence, what the psalmist is saying is, from the depths of my heart, I recognize my emptiness. And from the depths of God is all the fullness. My depth of intimacy reaches toward his depth of abundance. And what I take it to mean for us in this context this morning of Philippians 3 is that when I begin to desire the presence of Jesus, when I begin to desire the, uh, the, the voice of Jesus, when I begin to desire to know the activity of Jesus, this depth within me calls out and Jesus calls me to come out deeper. Because you see, he's already moved forward. Now he says, I want you to come to me. What did he tell Peter in the boat? He says, come to me. 
come to me, Peter. I would say this morning, he's saying to you, come to me. Come to me. It, it, it's time. It's time to go deeper. It's time to, to get off the milk and it's time to get into the meat. It's time to get into the substance, the depth, Jesus says, of who I am and what I have, this abundant life I have. There's so much more to it. And like Paul, we could all say, you know what? As much as I do know about Jesus and even as much as I have experienced Jesus in my years of serving him, there's still more. There's still more. The second truth this morning is this, that growth requires engaging Christ more personally, his power more personally. Growth requires engaging Christ's power more personally. In verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. He wants to know the, the reality of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. He doesn't want to know about the Easter story. He wants to experience the power of what happened on that Easter Sunday. The risen Lord. It's not just a good story. It's transformation power. It's life for the believer. You believe in the events of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. Let me ask you this morning. Have you experienced the resurrection of Jesus? Have you encountered and engaged the very presence and reality that the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Son of God, the Lamb who was slain for the foundations, from the foundations of the earth lives in you? The very one who spoke to demons, the very one who healed the sick, the very one who spoke truth like no one else in his generation could speak it. Do you know he lives in you? Have you experienced that power? The one who came out of that grave on the third day, full of glory. Have you experienced his presence? Have you experienced his reality in you? His power to save you, his power to give you new life. Have you experienced the power of his baptism in the spirit? You're born again. By putting your faith in Jesus Christ, you are filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You're born again. Jesus said it this way, you, you, the, the Spirit gives life to you. You are born of the Spirit, not of the will of man, but of the Spirit. So you've come alive spiritually. You are now alive to God. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as Jesus is preparing to ascend back to the Father where he is, is positioned and postured in this moment of our lives, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And 10 days later in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, that power of the Holy Spirit was brought into that room and baptized, saturated, immersed those believers that were in that room. You see, they were believers and they, Jesus in John 20 breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. They had the Spirit of Christ now the Spirit of Christ had them. So much to the point that when they spoke, they, they spoke in, in languages they had never studied or learned. They spoke with tongues. But Jesus said that power or that, that, that 
baptism, that, that overflowing of the Spirit in your life is for the purpose of empowering you to be my witnesses, to serve Jesus, to testify to Jesus, to live the life Jesus saved you and, and gave you new life to live. Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. My friend, I hope that you're hungry for the power of Jesus in your life. Not to make show and not to give yourself some big TV ministry, but for the sake of living, growing, and serving in power. That Jesus, the risen King, lives in you. That means when you go through difficulties and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, keep you from seasons of difficulties, challenges, trials, and temptations, it empowers you to walk through those seasons more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. It means that when you feel defeated, you're really not defeated. And there's this spirit stirring inside you that says, yeah, this ain't looking good right now. But man, Jesus is on my side. Jesus is with me. And if he is for me, who can be against me? I have the courage, the power, the strength of Christ in me. I will rise up and I will face this giant because I have been assured victory through Christ. Knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. Jesus would even tell us in Mark's version of the Great Commission in Mark 16 that everyone who believes in him will cast out demons. He didn't say just a few. He didn't say just you, 11. And then when you add Paul, 12. He said everyone who believes in this gospel that you're going to preach, everyone who believes, that's you and me that are believers today, will cast out demons, will lay hands on the sick, and they will be made well. That's not just a select few. Oh, there's some people that have some special anointing. But everybody gets the privilege to lay hands on the sick. Everybody has the privilege in Christ to pray the prayer of faith. Everybody has the privilege to lead a lost person to Jesus Christ. Everybody has the opportunity to pray and call on God for a miracle, for the deliverance of a 15-year-old girl who's missing and in, in potential danger. We all have that privilege to call on that name and to expect His power to be manifest. To be mature in Christ is to become more in tune with the activity of His Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 3, Paul would say, He's already working in you. God's going to do what he's going to do by the power of his spirit that's already at work inside you. If you've been born again, the spirit of Christ is living in you. He's working. Are you letting him work? That's the question. Are you releasing your life? Are you releasing your will, your motives, desires, and attitudes to the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit in you? That's maturing. And you say, man, pastor, I have. Woo, yes. When I was 12 years old, I was at summer camp. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues for two hours before I could even say words in English. And I've seen that happen. That's, that, that's a reality. But a greater reality is that was then. This is now. What's your experience in Christ now? How are you living out the resurrection power of Jesus today? 
in your life. And then the third principle is this. Paul gives us again. All of these have been from verse 10. He says there, this principle is, growth requires elevating passion for Christ more fully. If you're going to mature, you're going to have to get some passion about your pursuit of Jesus. You're going to have to get excited about it. Moaning Christians don't grow very well. Droopy-faced Christians don't grow very well. Christians who say, I'm going to press in. I'm not going to be defeated by my circumstance or situations. I'm going to press into Jesus who is my cornerstone, the rock of my salvation, my God in whom I trust. We don't settle for anything but what Jesus wants to do, and we pursue it with passion. So Paul says in verse 10, I don't only want to know him in the power of his resurrection. He says this, I want to know him in his sufferings. Now, most of us would say, you got it, Pastor. I want to know him in the power of the resurrection. Woo, yes. And then Paul says, but I also want to know his sufferings. Right? He put the brakes on a little bit and say, wait a minute. I'm going to have to think this thing through a little bit. You see, you know what I've discovered in my life personally and in ministry with, with so many others is that there comes a part, there comes a place where we believe the part where Jesus says, believe on me. Jesus, I believe. I do believe you're the Son of God. And I do believe you died on the cross for my sins. You took my punishment and my payment for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. And Paul says with that faith... You're born again. With that faith and that confession, you're born again. But then, so we believe Jesus and we, we hold to the part where Jesus says, believe on me. But so many Christians stop when Jesus says, now take up your cross and follow me. Believing is one thing. Following Jesus is something beyond. It is the deep calling out and moving to the deep. You see, Jesus says, take up your cross, follow me. That means you've got to die to yourself. There's suffering in that. There's letting go of things that we're comfortable with and we enjoy, but no, we've got to cut it loose. We've got to die to it. There's things we want on TV, but we've got to die to it. There's things we entertainment-wise, we've got to die to it. There's things in my life, there's things in my relationships, but we've got to die to those things, many of them. And take up our cross in order to follow Jesus. How many people did Jesus minister to? How many people heard Jesus preach? Well, we know on one occasion at least 5,000 men plus their families, which was probably 20,000. We know on another occasion there were at least 4,000 men and then their families. And we know that through the streets and through his travels three and a half years, he spoke to many people individually and in smaller groups. But do you realize only a few followed? Jesus didn't ask the disciples when he saw each one of them and he called them out to follow him. He didn't say, hey, look, I'm the Son of God. I am the long-awaited Messiah. Believe on me. Go back to fishing, but, but just trust me. Trust me in this. I'm him. No, he said, follow me. Follow me because I got things I want to show you. I got things I want to teach you. I got things I want you to experience. And then I want you to do what I do. But to do it, you have to follow. 
Jesus is calling us to follow. Let me, let me give you another little word study here for, for just a moment. That word to, to follow literally means to, to uh, pursue in order to apprehend. To follow and to press in and to take hold means to pursue with the idea of apprehending. So I don't know if they still show it on cable TV or not, but there used to be a TV show called Cops. Anybody remember that? Cops, and they showed you a lot, you know, boy, they're chasing guys and everything. And, and I, I, I just always enjoyed the show because two-thirds of the shows were filmed in Fort Worth, and I'm like, hey, I know that street. Well, that dude used to go to our church. No, not really, I don't think. <laughs> we did have a police officer in our church back in the day that was they actually rode with him a few times, and he was on the program. But... You'd see them, they jump out of their car and they, they're in what? Pursuit. Now the officer only has, has one thing in mind. His, his desire is not to chase the guy down and get his autograph. Well, if he needs a ticket, yeah, he's going to get an autograph. But he, he's not after an autograph. He's not after some cash. He's not after a casual conversation. He's got one thing in mind. I have got to catch this individual in order to apprehended them. I have got to get close enough to embrace and grab them. That's the image Paul gives when he says, I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Paul knew Jesus pursued him. Now he's to pursue Jesus. And you say, well, Jesus is always with me. Yes, he certainly is. But he's also always out in front of you. And he's always out there for you to apprehend. But you got to have enough passion to pursue him in order to apprehend him in your season. So Paul says in wrapping this up, he wants to know Christ more. He wants to experience Christ more deeply, engage him more personally, and elevate his level of passion. Then he goes on. Here's your application right here. Three quick points of application for every one of us. We're going to go further. We're going to go deeper. We're going to get closer to Christ. We're going to grow to look more like Jesus. We're going to grow to think more and act like Jesus more. Our attitude be shaped more like the attitude of Christ. Here's what Paul says. Verse 12. Our first one is follow. He says, not that I have already obtained these things, but one thing I do, I press on to take hold. He says, I'm pressing on. Follow Jesus, my friend. Don't just believe. It's time to take it up to the next level. If you've been a believer but you've not been a follower, it's time to be a follower. That simply means you're going to give your life to pursue the interests of Christ above everything else in your life. It's one thing to believe and just go about your day in your life. It's another thing to believe and follow, and that is everything about your life transforms and conforms to Christ Jesus. And you're the one that have to make those choices. You're the one that have to implement those disciplines that make that life about Christ. Secondly, he says, forget. Forgetting what is behind. He says, reach toward the goal. To reach toward that goal, he says, you're going to have to put the past behind you. He says, I forget about the past. I forget about what lies behind me. Now, now there's two things you've got to forget in order to apply this today. You got to forget about your past failures. Repent, get them under the blood, 
get up and keep following, pursuing Jesus with passion. But pastor, I'm weighted with guilt. Well, that's not from Jesus. That's from you and you're entertaining the enemy's accusations. Jesus says, look, I'm out here. Come to me. Come to me. Get up and come to me. Second thing you got to do so you forget about your failures. Second thing you got to do, you got to forget about the past victories. Now, what I mean by that is those victories have made you who you are, as well as those failures have helped shape who you now are in Christ. But those victories have shaped who you are in Jesus. But, but here's the deal. So many of us live in the past victories. We're content with the fact that the Lord healed me and set me free from my, my addiction 20 years ago. You know when I can tell my relationship to the Lord is growing stale and I'm, I'm not growing? Is I start looking back and realizing, man, I remember when Jesus spoke to me, I was doing this, and, and Jesus said this to me, and man, it was right on. I remember how Jesus did this in my life, and man, I was just driving down the road, and all of a sudden the Lord revealed himself to me, and I realized, well, that was 15 years ago. And then there's times I'll look and I'll say, but wait a minute, what about now? Lord, I don't know that I've seen you reveal yourself very clearly in the last year, the last months. It tells me something's growing stagnant in my, my pursuit of maturity. And it's time to press in with some more passion to follow Jesus. So we've got to forget the victories. We've got to forget the failures. We've got to look ahead to being transformed into the image of Christ. So we follow, we forget, and then the third point of application is focus. You've got to focus fully on the goal of being changed by Christ. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. What you're looking at is not your failures, not your past victories. You're looking at where Jesus is now in front of you and pursuing him to apprehend him. So you're focused. You're not looking to the right or to the left. You're focused on being changed by Jesus. And whatever you got to do, you do. I've had people tell me this before. They'll say, you know what? Well, let me back up first. Let me ask you this, then I'll tell you what I've heard people say. For a moment, think, who is someone in your circle of influence in your life today that you consider to be a spiritual giant? Like they have this direct line to God, and everything they touch turns into 5,000 loaves and 20 million fishes or whatever. I got that totally messed up. But who is that person that you consider to be a, a giant? You got an image who they are. Now, let me ask you this. Why do you presume or what makes you think they are so spiritually mature? Well, there's probably fruit coming from their lives and from their words that you realize they, they really are close to Christ. Maybe you feel they're closer than you are. And this is where I've had people say to me, man, I wish I could be as spiritual as so-and-so. Man, I wish I could get my prayers answered as much as so-and-so gets theirs. Man, I wish I understood God's word like so-and-so understands God's word. You know what I've come to discover about so-and-so? So-and-so's got the same Holy Spirit residing and living in fullness in them that you have. So what marks the difference between maturity and not? It's just a couple of things. 
You see, that person you admire, their spiritual faith and the depth of their relationship, chooses to, to worship more than worry. They just choose to worship more times than they stop to worry. They choose to read God's Word more than all the gossip and the scuttlebutt. They just commit themselves to the Word. They watch less TV, more time in the Word of God. That's the only difference. They spend more time praying than they do the social media and all of those things. They spend more time praying than being consumed by all the busyness that we all get so wrapped up in. You know what I think one of the greatest blessings from God during this quarantine time has been? And I'm not saying God brought COVID on. I don't know. I'm not going into any of that. What I'm saying is the quarantine part of it is that we all realized we were living with a bunch of stuff consuming our time and energy that we discovered we could actually really live without and still live and enjoy life. And I pray that coming out of this, all of us decide to put some things aside. But that's the only difference between the super spiritual person that you see and admire of their faith and you. They just read the word more. They worship more. They pray more. That's it. Well, I don't have the time to do it. Well, they don't either. Except they gave up other things to do that. That's the discipline of spiritual growth. Focus. Focus on Christ. Let me ask you this morning, what do you need to do to be more focused on pursuing intimacy and depth with Christ? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about your focus this morning? Are you willing in this place and moment at an altar in your heart to say, Jesus, I'm going to put this aside. What, what is it? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to Put this aside. You know, your, your Apple phone will now tell you how many hours you spent on screen time last week. It's pretty discouraging when that pops up every whatever day it is it pops up on my phone. And it says, you spent 58% more time on screen time than you did the week before. And I'm like, oh, wow, get you behind me. But it, how are you going to deny truth, right? What are you going to give up? What do you need to forget? in order to pick up now and press in with passion to Jesus. You got to forget some failure. If you confessed it and you opened it up to the Lord and you repented, you're forgiven. Your sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. You are a new creation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And greater is he that is now in you than he that is in the world. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me.